And whilst you're doing that, I'd like to tell you about an instance that took place in 1978 during the fire officer's strike in England, in which the British Army took over emergency firefighting. It just so happened that on the 14th of January 1978, an elderly lady in South London called the um, fire service to retrieve her cat. And they arrived with impressive haste and very carefully and cleverly rescued the cat. Having done that, they began to leave. But the lady was so grateful she invited her squad of heroes in for a cup of tea. Uh, driving off later with fond farewells and waving warmly, they accidentally ran over the cat and killed it. I think you'll agree that is what not the expected outcome. Okay, if you have Matthew chapter 2, it's a passage of scripture <laughs> that you may be familiar with. We'll get around to it, don't worry. It's the account of the wise men, or the magi, magi, not magi, the magi, who traveled from Egypt following a star in pursuit of a newborn king. But instead of ending up where they thought they would end up, a palace, they end up knocking on the door of a lowly house. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find them, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. <laughs> yeah, right. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now these magi were wise men and they studied the stars, believing that they could read into the stars predictions of future events. And what they saw in the constellation of the stars was in actual fact the ruler of the last days would appear in Palestine. They therefore traveled there to find him. Now as an aside, some of you may be aware that in the next couple of days, two planets within our solar system are in actual fact going to align. That's Saturn and Jupiter. The phenomena occurs, from what I understand, every 794 years. So the last time this happened was in the 1200s, so very rare. It's been said that this forms a Christmas star shape in their alignment. And apparently the best time to view this is at 2 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. So if you're up and about, you know, heading off to the bathroom and it's a clear sky, you might want to look out the window, you might see something spectacular. But it's been suggested this may be the same phenomena that led the Magi. It is possible. We don't know. But what we do know is this, that this journey would have cost the wise men a lot. They invested a lot in it. Some scholars believe the round journey from home to Bethlehem and back again could have taken up to two years. They no doubt encountered obstacles along the way. They even found themselves in the presence of a king, a paranoid king, Herod. 
So paranoid was him, was he, sorry, that he killed his own wife and two sons because he thought they were trying to usurp his rulership. But when they finally arrived at this destination, they found the star that were following stops over a lowly house. The Magi probably believed that they'd find the newborn king in a palace, which might explain why they ended up at Herod's palace in the first place. But instead, they end up outside a little house. No doubt they discovered, or at least what they discovered, did not meet their expectation. They found the king of kings, the ruler of the entire world, in a lowly house. Can you imagine him? Grabbing hold of his mother's clothes and peering behind them as these brightly dressed and all their regalia, knocking at the door of their home and little Jesus looking behind them. Can you imagine that? You know, the image we have of the Christmas card with a star over the stable and Jesus lying and wrapped in cloths as the Magi present their gifts isn't actually what the Bible portrays. In fact, we at home have a nativity scene and it's got the wise men along with the shepherds in the stable. So we're biblically incorrect. Why do I say that? Well, there are several things that kind of point in the scripture to a time when um, the Magi actually came to visit Jesus. Yes, they did, but at a time after his birth. Firstly, here Matthew describes Jesus as a child, not an infant or a baby. Secondly, Jesus' family are residing in a house here, not in a manger behind an overcrowded inn. Thirdly, if you are familiar with the story Herod's later edict to destroy all male children two years of age and under suggests that Jesus fell within that age span. And fourthly, Joseph and Mary brought an offering that poor people would take to the temple when they dedicated Jesus, according to Leviticus chapter 12. If the Magi had already visited and had presented their gifts, they would have had means to present a normal person's offering as opposed to a poor person's offering, as prescribed in Leviticus chapter 12. So anyway... No doubt, the wise men were perplexed. Maybe they'd got it wrong. No palace, no guards, no fanfare entering, you know, at least ushering them into his presence. Yet in spite of all this, these wise men found something profound in that house that impacted their lives. Sometimes our lives can take a detour, and we end up in a different place than we would have expected. Life can even shatter our hopes and dreams. Maybe this time last year, you were thinking about how great 2020 was going to be. A chance to leave all the rubbish of 2019 behind and start again embracing the opportunities of 2020 and all that it would hold with anticipation and ex expectation. Expectation of greater financial security, of less pain both physically and emotionally, of greater peace in our homes and in our relationships, of a better life overall. That promotion would finally come off. That we'd work at getting fitter and that we'd finally get our life all together. We'd finally get our life sorted out. Whew. But here we are, that didn't happen. Instead, we feel like we're just going to crash over the line. Lockdown, job insecurity, tension on every front. We may even be feeling worse now than we did this time last year. No further ahead. Well, this morning, I'd like to look at what we should do. If we start out following a star, then find ourselves not outside the gate of a palace, but knocking on a door of a lonely little house. If we're wise, like the wise people, the wise men, wise guys, if we were like them, we should look for Jesus in the midst of the unexpected. Look for Jesus in the midst of the unexpected. 
When life takes an unexpected turn, look for Jesus in the midst of it. Now, if you've been part of Life Church this last year, you would have heard a number of messages in which we've talked about the need to make Christ central, ensure that he is center in our life. It's been part of a series of messages we've entitled Prepare, and um, in which we felt the Lord challenge us to ensure that we have got Christ central in order to live our lives effectively for him and make sure we deal with the stuff in our lives that needs to be sorted out. And uh, it's from Luke 5, where we felt the Lord say, park your boats, mend your nets, as the fishermen did in Luke chapter 5. Get them cleaned, mended, repaired, so that when you end up back out in the water, you'll be more effective. And part of that was to see the healing and wholeness that we have needed to get and in order to make sure that we are effective for the kingdom when we're back out in the water. We didn't just believe it was something that was to be said earlier in the year, but it's something we need to continually address between now and when the Lord should take us home. He is to be central, and uh, we're to address the issues in our life as they come up. How many, how many have got blind spots in your life? Just me. Okay, I've got, yeah, thank you. We've got one honest person in the place. <clears throat> we've got blind spots, and we've got things that we need, and we need each other, and we talk to each other, and we say, hey, brother, sister, can I just talk to you a little about something? And uh, we get, need to get those things. We need to bring them before the Lord. Lord, work on our life, please. We want to be effective in that. But this year has contained the unexpected. Who would have thought that we'd have lockdown? Social distancing. Restrictions on our gatherings, having to buy a ticket to come to church, you know, in, increased job insecurity, you know, border closures, travel restrictions, changes and challenges at every turn. It's been great that we've been challenged earlier in the year to put Christ central just prior to all this because it's meant that in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of the unexpected, looking for Jesus, seeking him in the midst of it all was somewhat natural. Without that reminder, we could have easily found ourselves clambering for solutions or some other such thing to get us through the challenges that we faced. So when life takes an unexpected turn, we should do as what the wise men did. Look for Jesus in the midst of it. If we are his, we can be assured that nothing can happen to us that he is not allowed. Yeah, the book of Job illustrates that Satan cannot move without the Lord's permission. And even then it's within strict boundaries. I think it's good to point out that uh, when confronted with the unexpected, it could in actual fact be that God is trying to do one of two things in our lives. Firstly, he could be trying to bring correction to us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, it says this, The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And your hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Yeah, Bill Cosby once said this. One day when his father was reading in the living room, my brother and I decided that we would play basketball in the living room without breaking anything. When I took a shot that redesigned the glass table, my mother came in with a stick and said, so help me, I'll bust you in half. And without lifting his head from his book, my father said, why would you want twice as many so when faced with unex the unexpected, it could be in order for us to receive correction. If that's the case, we should quickly learn and move on. The second thing the Lord may be attempting to do with us in the midst of the unexpected is to bring instruction. It's possible that he's trying to teach us something or reveal something of himself that we haven't already understood or had revealed to us. Think of the nation of Israel for a moment. You know, when being led from Egypt into the promised land. If they hadn't been confronted with bitter water in Exodus chapter 15, something that they wouldn't have expected. God said he'd bless them and he was leading them to the promised land. So surely any water they came across would be sweet. So why bitter? But if they hadn't had that encounter with bitter water, they would have never had a revelation that God is the one 
who would heal them. Exodus 15, 26, I am the Lord that heals you. And similarly, if they hadn't engaged in a physical fight with the Amalekites two chapters later in Exodus 17, when they had thought it was all going to be plain sailing, again, God was leading them. I mean, he had just parted the Red Sea and taken out the entire Egyptian army, and they didn't even have to lift a finger. They just sat back and watched it all happen. Whoa. And here they are now have to physically fight. What? We didn't expect that would be the case. Aren't you leading? Aren't you the one before us? Aren't you the one behind us? Aren't you around us? Goodness me. And you actually want us to fight? Well, if that hadn't happened, they wouldn't have had a revelation and understanding that it is the Lord that helps them to overcome. So in the unexpected, he may well be trying to reveal himself to us in a new way. It could be that he wants us to gain a revelation of the fact that he is our healer, our protector, our deliverer, our strength, our encourager, our provider. So in the unexpected, it could be that he's trying to correct us or instruct us. That being the case, we need to learn and be obedient to what he's showing us. Being obedient might mean changes, the need to to change and bring change in our lives. We can't resist that. We can't resist the change you want to bring to us. For that to happen, it has to be that we actually like obedience more than we dislike change. Many of us dislike change. We have to like obedience more than we dislike change. He likes change. He does not change, but he likes change. How do I know that? Because he's changing me, and he's changing you to be more like his son. He wants us to be like Christ. Remember, he only has good for us. We have no idea what God may do through one act of our obedience. You've heard it said before, on the other side of our obedience is someone else's salvation. It's good to keep that in mind when confronted with something that we don't particularly want to do. Know this, obedience equals blessing. Disobedience equals pain. So number one, When the star leads us to a lonely house and we thought we'd end up outside the gate of a palace, realize this, that he's trying to bring discipline, maybe trying to teach us something. But irrespective of that, we need to do as the wise men did and look for Jesus in the unexpected. Okay, Like the wise men, the second thing we should do is worship. Is worship. When confronted with the unexpected, we should worship. Christmas time is a time for gift giving. Let's face it. Given they found themselves outside the house, The Magi could have been forgiven for thinking, let's turn around and just pack up and go home. Who would blame them? It hadn't turned out the way they had expected. At this stage, it's possible they started thinking, did we get something wrong? And having started being led by a star, they could have ended up beginning beginning at least to think we should work this out. And, And they could have begun to work it out in their own strength. They could have said, maybe he is back in the palace. And Herod is trying to hide him from us. Should we return there and do a thorough search ourselves? Maybe we should do that. Maybe we got it completely wrong. We didn't read the stars right. We should probably pack up and go home. I mean, this has been a fruitless journey anyway. And having started out being led by a star, they could end up trying to work it out in their own strength. Fortunately, they didn't, but continued to look for the star, and it did lead them to a place that was unexpected. And we should let that be a lesson to us. When things don't work out quite the way we expected, we should keep trusting, keep believing, keep drawing on his spirit for him to lead us and not to try and work it out in our own strength. We can't start in the spirit and end up in the flesh. What he starts, he will finish. He who began that good work in you will bring it to completion. We can't rely on our own efforts. And if he has led us so far, and we find ourselves wondering where we are right now, we just got to keep praying, keep trusting, keep looking to him. What he starts, he will finish. It's interesting to see that um, once the Magi left the king's palace, having not found the baby, The star again appears 
and leads them once more. And at this, they are overjoyed. It leads them to a lowly house where he actually was. But this wasn't what they signed up for. There they are in their royal robes, now in a lowly house. Can I ask you, have you ever wanted to quit this year? Has it been so tough? You felt outside your league? It wasn't what you signed up for? Maybe you followed a star and have ended up in some strange place. Maybe it's been tougher than you imagined. Maybe you felt that you failed this year. Don't let failure be a stop sign. Allow it to be a stepping stone into something greater. We have to do as the wise men did. They gave Jesus what was rightfully his. They worshipped him in the midst of that lowly house. Maybe a little perplexed and seeing Jesus dressed the way he was and not in royal clothes and a crown on his head maybe. But they still worship. So must we in the middle of our confusion. So often in life when things happen and we don't expect, we can do the absolutely opposite. You know, we stop coming to church, we stop serving, we stop giving, we stop sowing in. Exactly what the enemy wants us to do and how he wants us to react. So when confronted with the unexpected, that's when we should continue to sow and we should continue to serve. It's when we should continue to participate and uh, be involved. In, because as we do, clarity will come. You know, John Rockefeller grew up in a far- on a farm, but he wanted to be more than a farmer. And so he drove himself more and more than anyone else around him. Consequently, at age 33, he had made his first million dollars. At age 43, he was the world's first billionaire. At 53, he was so sick he could eat nothing but crackers and milk. His wealth had come at a cost. It cost him his health. And then he had a change of heart. His health giving out, despite his fortune, was not what he expected. He realized that money was not to be hoarded, but to be used. So he began to give to mission and to research. And as a result of his donations to research, cures for malaria and diphtheria were developed. And apparently as he gave, his own condition began to improve. At 53, they did not think he would see another birthday. But because of a change of heart and an attitude towards giving, he went on and actually died at age 93. In the unexpected, we need to give. And I'm not just talking about financially, but I'm talking about in service and encouragement and in time. Be generous. You know, Luke 6.38 says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and shaken over, running over, will be poured into your lap. For as the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In the midst of the unexpected, we need to just keep giving encouragement, and encouragement will flow back to us. You know, keep serving and giving and meeting together, and kingdom benefits will flow back to us. The Bible tells us as we cast the bread upon the water, it will come back to us after many days. We are, we are blessed in order to be a blessing, not to be oblivious to the needs of others. The unexpected lowly house we mind find ourselves in is not a place to withhold, but a place to stretch out, a place to stretch beyond and extend ourselves. So when the star leads us to a lowly house and not the palace, as we would expect, we need to do as the wise men did. Number one, we need to look for Jesus in the midst of it. And number two, we need to worship. The cool thing is that these wise men got far back further, much, much more than they actually gave. They received much more. And that leads me to the third point. We should expect to receive. We should expect to receive. These wise men got two things. They had a fresh revelation of God and the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, the eternal Word of God, in flesh, now dwelling in front of them. They saw God's plan of salvation unfolding before their very eyes. They saw the Savior of the world, the fulfillment of prophecy. The amazing thing is that these Magi were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish. So it seems the first to worship him, other than the shepherds, were Gentiles. And I believe it speaks prophetically of the fact that Jesus came not just for Jews only, but for the entire world. He came for all peoples everywhere. And in verse 2, we see they already had a revelation that Jesus was born king of the Jews, not one who was to become 
king of the Jews, but the one who was born king of the Jews. Kingly status was not conferred on him later on. They understood that. It was his at birth. They knew that. And interestingly, it's the same phrase that Pilate had inscribed on a plaque that was nailed above Jesus' head when he died on the cross some 33 years later. The truth is, it was a cross that overshadowed that cradle when he was born. Don't leave Jesus in the cradle. Don't leave him in the manger. He came at Christmas that he might die at Easter for our sin, for your sin and mine, for the sin of the world. And that demands a response, a response of our gaze, a response of our worship, a response of our surrender. So the Magi received a fresh revelation of God. But not only that, they also received guidance. They received guidance. The Lord directed their lives through a dream that saw them return home via a different route. Not going back to Herod's palace as he had encouraged them to do so that he too might go and worship. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have thought twice about taking their lives. He wanted to shut this whole thing down. When our star leads us to a lonely house, I believe we can expect to find fresh guidance in the midst and God's grace, at least in, in that hour that we need him most. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In the midst of our confusion, that is when his grace is perfect. That is when he, he comes to us and it's sufficient. We know his grace in the midst of that sense of I'm perplexed, I'm confused, I don't understand, but his grace, draw on his grace. Just ask him to pour his grace back into your life to bring clarity, and he will do that. Your know, life is seldom fair and often doesn't turn out the way we planned. But even when life should you know, throw us a curved ball and, and lets us down, we can be assured of the words of Hebrews 13, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's good. Think about the nation of Israel for a moment. God was leading them to the promised land, a journey that should take 11 to 14 days. But because of their unbelief, it took, they took a 40-year detour. Despite their unbelief, God was still faithful. He still led them with a pillar of fire and cloud. And so we can be assured he will lead us as well. And when confronted with you know, a need for guidance, often pray, dear God, I'm dumb. Thou knowest this. Please make the signposts clear that I might hear. Often also pray for Mickey Mouse ears. You're familiar with Mickey Mouse? You know, Disney's Mickey Massive big ears he's got. You know. I pray, Lord, I need big ears, Mickey Mouse ears, to be able to hear your voice because I don't know what's going on now. I'm in the unexpected but perplexed here. I need your help. Isaiah 30, 21 says this, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears, my Mickey Mouse ears, will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Be assured he will speak. We've just got to quieten ourselves and listen. This time is difficult. Christmas is busy. There are presents to buy, parties to attend, demands are high. But to move on from the unexpected and be better as a result, we have to still our lives and listen. You'll be familiar with Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's in the being still that the revelation comes. And just as the Magi would have entered into that lowly house with that star hovered above, with reverence, with respect and awe, we need to approach him to be able to hear from him clearly. In this past year, 2020, you know, we may have set out following a star and ended up outside a lowly house surrounded by the debris of our shattered hopes and dreams. If that is so, let me tell you, Jesus is in the house. Enter in. Look for him. Don't stop worshipping. Don't stop offering your gifts. Don't hold back, but worship. 
And you'll gain a fresh revelation of him and receive a fresh, at least fresh guidance to sustain you and help you through the unexpected this time of year and on into 2021. It's been said before, and I'll say it again, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And with that understanding, we can face the future with confidence, knowing that he will be with us, never to leave us nor forsake us, will cause all things to work together for our good and the good of the kingdom. So let's look to Jesus. It's worship, it's give, and live with an expectation that he will continue to guide us through it all. Amen. If you're able, I wondered if you would stand with me as we pray this morning, because I'd like to pray with you. Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful time of year. Thank you for the gift of your dear son, Jesus. Lord, for many of us, this year has been tough. But thank you that nothing that has happened or has unfolded has taken you by surprise. You have faithfully been with us, leading and guiding us through. Forgive us for the times when we've taken our eyes off you and we've allowed confusion to dictate the decisions we've made. Lord, when we've allowed uncertainty to shout loudly in our ear. Going forward into this new year, no matter what the future holds, help us to fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. Open our eyes to see you afresh in the midst of our lives as they are now. Give us a fresh revelation of you, we pray. Fresh revelation of your presence. Help us not to withhold in the midst of confusion and uncertainty, but to keep worshipping you and to keep being a blessing to others. Help us to continue to be led by your spirit. And I pray for us all here today. We'd have a fresh sense of your presence and spirit would be imparted to us now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for a fresh sense of your presence. In fact, if this morning you're feeling tired, you're feeling like, you, I need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just raise your hands to him now to receive. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just sweep upon us afresh, I pray. Holy Spirit, come from the front of the auditorium to the back, from the left side of this room to the right side. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Fresh outpouring of your spirit right now, I pray. Just receive a fresh touch from him right now. Receive him afresh. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen the weak. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen the feeble here this morning, Lord. Relieve pain and discomfort. In fact, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of sickness and disease over people's lives this morning in Jesus' name and declare that it is by your stripes we're healed in the name of Jesus. If you have sickness in your body or pain this morning, just receive from him a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit to bring healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Lord. We receive now in the all-prevailing name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our eyes to see your purpose and the unexpected that our lives should take, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your grace. We just received that afresh this morning. In your glorious name, amen.